only pick the best people that have never been on a podcast ever. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the greatest podcast on earth about nonsense. I am Chris Cash from Mount Fellow Metalworks, joined by my co-host, Roy the Psychopath Scott. This is the Axe and Iron Podcast, and we are joined by John Maynard from Badger Claw Outfitters, leather worker extraordinaire. What's up, John? Hey, hi, guys. Thanks for, uh, for inviting me on. Well, yeah, we're 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 scratching the bottom of the barrel. I'm just I'm just being straight. <laughs> that was that was going to be my first comment. Like you guys must what are we have no one I, else. What are we running out of ideas here? No, we're yeah. on. I think he's a very big fan of your leather work. As am I. I'm I'm just scanned through your website and your Instagram and all that stuff. Amazing shit, man. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate how, how it. How did how did all this start? Um. Well, this I don't really have a glamorous story that's you know book worthy or anything like that um, right uh i got into you know just basic leather work in about 2010 as a hobby you know like most guys i mean roy you probably started doing woodworking and axes and stuff as a hobby maybe and then yeah and another industry with it my wife and i were in for about a little over a decade was kind of coming to an end and we were needing needing to get out of what we were doing and and uh so i just i did what people told me i couldn't do i turned a hobby into a into a business that paid the bills and now into uh into a company that to me does uh you know an inordinate amount of production and and work and i just i love what i do every day so we went from uh trying to figure out you know how we were going to make ends meet to and it was a little nerve-wracking in the beginning you know right coming from something completely different and and I saw a lot of leather work that I liked, stuff. I was always an outdoor guy, outdoors guy growing up in, in Washington State. And I thought, well, I can do this. Shit, it can't be that hard. Right. And so, you know, I made a lot of mistakes and just like anybody and learned. And then pretty soon I, I, I didn't have social media stuff. wasn't I wasn't big on that. Uh, yeah. I wasn't on Instagram yet. Uh, not, I don't even know if Instagram was around in 2010, 2011. So I was on a couple of web forums and... Um, you know, guy here, hey, can you make me this? I saw, yeah, I can make that, this, that. And then pretty soon people want to pay me money. And I was like, you want to pay? You want to give me money? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shit, really? Yeah. And I, I was a little nervous. I mean, I got a lot of business background. I've always been self-employed my whole life. It's kind of part of my DNA. But so I awesome. knew I knew better than to just make shit and sell it without, you know, putting a little more time into it. I didn't want my name out there, you know, Um and even to this have day, you, I see. Have you seen any of Chris's work? He just slaps shit out. I'll just the slap shit door. together. Yeah, I was, gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say stick to the podcast stuff because you do good at that. But <laughs> I don't, that other, yeah. that it's other metal fun. stuff. We can't all really uh, just carve axe handles and fucking charge oh, ridiculous yeah, amounts of money on. for them. All right, here we go. Come on, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know, I see stuff that I've made, you know, even five years ago, and I think, yeah. God, could I fucking buy that back? Because that right. needs to get yeah. off, you know. But everybody's that way. So, and to this day, I still remember my first like true customer. He's still a customer to this day. His name's Kevin. He lives up in uh, in Nevada, and um, he commissioned i don't know two or three different jobs and and uh so i'll always be appreciative of, of that guy but um whether he knows it or not and so and then after going several years with the leather stuff i just realized that you know this is i can only get so big my hands can only do so much i need to yeah. start doing some other stuff and 
And so uh, there's a lot of companies out there that, you know, sell outdoor gear and this and that. And so I just kind of tried to find my own niche and stick to quality and then got into some wax canvas stuff and hired a seamstress because I cannot sew on a machine to save my life. Yeah, okay. um, at least in a straight line, you know, my yeah. shit always goes over here, but I'm getting better now actually using my leather sewing machine. I've had it for years, but I've done everything by hand and I just use that for a few kind of oddball items. Yeah. I'm getting better. It's kind of like reinventing myself using that a little bit. And, um, and so, uh, uh you so, know, was, oh, go ahead. So the timeline, you're, you're doing leather, you're selling stuff. When do you start to transition into becoming an outfitter type, uh, uh, business where you're, you're actually retailing stuff to the general public? Um, I would say about, about mid 2011, it didn't really take that long. I mean, I oh, okay. knew I had to get a website right away uh-huh. because, you know, I had all my eggs in one basket being on an, this, uh, an online forum and it's still a great forum. I'm on it today, but it's definitely, as soon as Instagram came around, I mean, people dove yeah. off, you know, they went right yeah. to it and I kind of saw where that was going. And even though my Instagram account is not huge by any stretch of the means, Especially, I've I just looked the other day. In fact, I can't believe I've been on there since May of 2013. Wow. Damn. Yeah, I was like, shit. Should I have? I mean, but I've got you know I have pretty good engagement. The folks that do follow me are interested in my stuff, obviously. And I can't stand Facebook. I've tried to do a Facebook page, yeah, and fuck I've got that yeah. place. I've got Facebook pages out there that we can't get rid of. They're linked to my wife's. Right. There's no admin, so you can't. Once you have, I can't get rid of it, but it's out there. Yeah. And so it's frustrating because I'd like to just nuke all that from orbit and start over. Yeah. But, and I can't, you know, can't really stand the whole Facebook vibe, but it's kind of a necessary evil. So, so now I'm trying to get into some other stuff um, just because I want to, I mean, online stuff I, I, on my Instagram account, I don't want to be just, Hey, here's my shit buy it. You know, I mean, I have a lot of other interests, but you got to find that balance, like really what mm-hmm. you want to offer, where the value is in your Instagram account, you know, and that's like, Roy, I go on your account just because I'm like, what video has he got up today? What's, I mean, you know, what stupid ass hey. song is he fucking got in the back? No, like, his music, dumb, his music is always good. Hey, I'm screaming at. I'm going to call you out, motherfucker. You, you. You've you've made John, like let's let's back hang up a little on, bit hang on. and talk this about mother, this mother lovers coral. I like it. He, he, no, you <laughs> have only made like five <laughs> comments on my shit, so I don't even Who? like me. No, Badger Claw. I've, oh, I, he's probably you don't like read the rest comments of us. In. <laughs> yeah, he's probably like the rest of us. He doesn't want to fucking comment anything. <laughs> no. John, let's back up a little bit and let's yeah. talk about what product. Did you you say you ha- you still have your first cost your custom your first customer? What yeah. products do you actually make? What did you start with? I looked at your shop on your website. You offer a huge amount of products. Yeah, uh, knife um, leather. So where where did we start? It was all knife leather, just stuff okay. for custom custom knife sheets. And I don't I don't even remember to this day what knife I had. I think it was a Bark River knife. And I was like I saw some sheets online. Some guys had some cool stuff. And I thought, well, I can do that. Right. And, you know, and I still have a couple of the old ones to this day, which is kind of cool. And because they weren't worth selling, trust me. Yeah. And, then, uh, <laughs> and then I just I don't know, I figured it out on my own. I actually never watched a YouTube video, probably because okay. I couldn't figure out YouTube. Right. <laughs> I, I never even watched a tutorial and which is probably why it took me so long to really get comfortable with my work. And right. I got a, a, uh, what, I got a CD, a DVD from a guy cannot remember his name now and about working with um 
rawhide, like deer rawhide and elk rawhide. Right. To do some primitive stuff because I had no clue. And I watched about 10 minutes of that and threw that away. And I thought, I can do, I can figure out a better way. So um, that's just kind of always the way I'd done things is just figure it out on my own. And and so I've taught a few classes like in the last couple of years. And the people that actually paid to show up, um, bless their hearts, <laughs> we had a good time. Everybody mm-hmm. learned and, and made I, and I just, I don't know, I'm just not real comfortable in that arena. Everybody tells right. me I should, yeah. that, you know, but to me, if I'm not comfortable with it, fuck it, I'm not yeah. going to do it. Yeah. And the same thing goes with product development. People ask me to make stuff. And I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. nah, that's not me. So we, we just talked to Trent Pressler um, on uh, just the previous episode. Yeah. And yeah, he's kind of kind of saying, you know, kind of what you're alluding to. Like, you're not a how-to channel. And he's not a how-to channel. I'm not a fucking how-to channel. Well, and certainly just, and not. Just, no. <laughs> and just because you're in the maker space doesn't mean you have to be uh, a, a how-to channel. And I get questions. I'm sure you get questions all the fucking time. Like, what leather do you use? What tools yeah. do you use? Oh, I know. Uh, what about your dyeing process? I'm sure you just get a barrage of them. I mean, like, what do you? What What are your some of your like go-to responses for those guys? Um, it took me 10 years. Go figure it out yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, and it, it is honestly, it really is because there's so many different ways to do what right. I do. Uh-huh. It's like, there's no tried and true. Like you only do X, Y, Z to get, you know, no, there's fuck, there's 20 ways to do it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, sometimes I can just go off. A guy will ask me the perfect question and I'm like, listen, I can save you years of headaches. And sometimes I have, you know, no option, but to give a really shitty answer because, mm-hmm. It's just something you got to kind of, you want to ask me about what tools to use? Well, you know, I use some pretty, you know, I mean, some guys that are in the leather, well, you don't use a round knife. No, I use a fucking razor blade because I can mm-hmm. replace the, I can replace the blade, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've gotten to where I can use it to get the, you know, results that I need. And so there's a hundred ways to do it. So it's tough to teach. Um, and I'd love to do online if I could figure out YouTube, I'd do, you know, online videos, you know, my way of doing things, but yeah. for free, I certainly wouldn't know that I'd feel comfortable charging. And there's a ton of free stuff out there anyway. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's how I learned to do leather. I mean, my, like I have a very basic understanding of leather and that's all that I want. And I can't believe there are people like you that actually enjoy leather work. I fucking hate it, but <laughs> I learned how to do my little things just from watching youtube yeah but you do them consistently and they're good every time so well and you you know chris gives me shit about freaking oh you're just doing x handles whatever i do one i'm not the only one one, one. (laughs) 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 Um, i do one sheath one style and that's all you get and and i've gotten i've gotten good and consistent at that and i don't want to do anything else yeah but you you offer a huge selection of things and and i remember a couple years ago whenever when I was following you, and I think you went down to Texas or something, and you had um, some butt stocks lasered out, and I was like, "All right, that's next level kind of stuff. This guy's fucking serious." Yeah, we bought. Uh, yeah, no, we've got we bought a laser, uh, um, a laser bed basically for cutting out patterns and everything. Uh-huh. But I learned real quick that um, to get to that next level of volume of stuff, you got to go beyond that. I mean, that's that's still kind of hobbyist level stuff. And mm-hmm. so now, I mean, I've got clicker presses and, um, but even that I only use occasionally. And I just have companies that I hire. I have a company in Houston that I use, uh, called, um, uh, Buffalo seal and they make gaskets, mainly a lot of wooden gaskets and, and rubber, but they have the cutting equipment 
mm-hmm. and the die making capability. So I can send them a pattern, they make a die, and I can say, cut me 5,000 of them, and they show up in three days. Holy so, shit. How the fuck yeah. did you find that? So I th- threw another, you know, another vendor who couldn't do what I needed to be, have done and said, well, hey, I know these guys over here in Houston, so go find them. And so <clears throat> that's the only way to do large volume as far as the pattern cutting. Because, and so then people will bitch, oh, well, your stuff's not handmade, then you have a, you know, somebody cuts the pattern. Yeah, go fuck okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, all right. I, yeah, you got me, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, um, like, right now, there's, a, I mean, I do a huge volume of these, this particular uh, sheath for a cleaver for the uh, company Lampson Cutlery. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard of Lampson in my life. And they're a U.S. cutlery company, been around since the 1800s. And they make phenomenal products in the culinary kind of industry. And they approached me and, and said, Hey, we saw that you made this cover. Could you make us, you know, 50 of these? I'm like, yeah, sure. Then the next thing I'm, I mean, fast forward like six months, they're like, we need 500 a week. Like, Holy right. shit. Damn. Yeah. And they can't keep them in stock. And so the only way for me to effectively service them on that kind of, you know, volume and that level and still yeah. make something that I'm comfortable making is to have, you know, a, a company cut those patterns for me. And then we just do all the hand assembly and finish work and, and go from there. So are, are these companies, are you providing them, um, hides or they, or do they have their own hides and you don't no, like no, 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 no. it out? Nope. They just tell me what they want and, and then, uh, and we go from there. And so the wholesale side of, of what I do is also another level that a lot of people kind of stay away from. But once you figure out, you know, you kind of work out all the demons. Um, mm-hmm. I'd rather do that all day long sometimes. And the custom work is tough because I want to put so much time into it. But at the end of the day, I'm like, well, I could be doing $100. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm running a business, you know. Right. Do I want to do $150 an hour work or do I want to do $10 an hour work, even though the $10 an hour work is my passion? You right. Know? But yeah. So yeah. Just, mm-hmm. I really got to balance it. That's why my biggest struggle for me in the volume that we do is is – keeping people happy in a on a timeline and right. i put i get all this stress i put on myself trying to get shit out as fast as can but yet still maintain the quality because at the end of the day i warranty everything for life so uh, i, I don't saw that on your website i don't want to have to make it twice yeah <laughs> so and it happens i mean you know i get stuff all the time a guy has a snap pop off something shit send him a shipping label he sends it back and fix it and i mean done deal but um so I put a lot of stress on myself. So I've been trying to kind of alleviate that because I, to be able to do what I do, I have to deploy a lot of patience and I'm not good at that. So that's mm-hmm. my biggest struggle is being patient. I'll get a new design on something like, Oh, I got this great idea. And two o'clock in the morning, I'm out there, you know, I got to get one of these made, you know, trying to master whatever it is that I'm trying to do. And when I should be, you know, inside being my family or going to bed or whatever. And so I have to just be patient. And, and so I think that that's probably my greatest strength, but the greatest thing that I need to work on right now is just being patient and letting things wow. kind of evolve. This is getting deep. Introspective <laughs> conversation. John, you grew up in uh, the Cascades in Washington State. Yep. What like, led you to all the – yeah, whereabouts? Um, so we grew up in the foothills of the Cascades, a little town called Hobart, Washington. And then – So down me in, what's the, what's the next biggest town around there? Yakima? Um, we're right below Snoqualmie Pass. Oh, no, Yakima okay, is yeah. like eastern. We're on the western yeah. side of the mountains. Yeah, okay. So right below Snoqualmie Pass. And um, and so grew up on a small, I mean, today the trendy people would call it a homestead. But we yeah. grew up, you know, raising our own beef <laughs> and pigs and that kind of stuff. And right. then we moved to the big city about 10 minutes away. 
and um and then which the next kind of little town over and now it's you know huge i mean mm-hmm. we couldn't we could ne- we would never we would never want to move back uh, yeah. other than our family being there because it's just so overpopulated and so yeah. um so yeah we i grew up in in washington and, and in family in alaska so i spent all my outdoor time yeah you know up in that region of that's Minnesota. what i was gonna ask what led you to alaska and minnesota and basically what led you down the path of being an outfitter and providing the products that you do where did you see a need for all this stuff that you're that you're making today well because a lot of the stuff that i grew up you know i mean growing up in seattle if you had the money and you wanted outdoor gear you went and bought filson i mean that's what okay that's what, that's what we use you know yeah and so fast forward when i got a call from Filson and, and did some work for them. That was just like kind of the, even wow. though it wasn't a real huge deal. That was like kind of a highlight for me. Cause yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, I grew up buying it. And so, but you know, you pay a premium for that stuff and there's a reason you pay a premium because it's good stuff. Yeah. So I thought, well, I guess gotta be a way to supply this stuff at a better, you know, cost to people and still right. have that customer service to say, man, shit, I'm sorry. Something ripped on it. Send it back. Let me give you another one or fix it or whatever it takes you know, to keep, keep you on, on down the road. Right. Wow. So, um, so it was, and and necessity, I mean, I needed to pay the bills. So, and I wasn't going to work for somebody else. I mean, I cannot punch somebody else's time clock. There's no way. Yeah. How how long have you you been self-employed? Since I was in seventh grade. Holy shit. (laughs) What were you selling in seventh grade? I was mowing lawns. I was Uh, mowing lawns. Yeah. There was a, a housing development near us and the real estate agent, uh, that kind of was selling all these houses needed somebody to mow yeah. the lawns. So I started mowing the lawns and, uh, five bucks an hour. And that was back in 19. Oh, I don't know. Early mid eighties, early eighties, I guess, something like that. How old are you? Uh, I'll be 46 in June. All and right. so, and then I had a little neighbor kid that lived up the road who's a couple years younger than me. And I was yeah. like, this the yard took me two hours. I said, I'll pay you, you know, three bucks to mow it. Oh, heck Yeah. <laughs> Damn. I'm like, well, cool. I go. just made seven just, and I didn't do nothing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, uh, so I started with that and then, uh, I got into high school. I started detailing cars for people. I was into cars and got into, got into racing later on and all such stuff. And so I was detailing cars and then I went to work for a small business. Um, one of my best friends to this day, a uh, small coffee company. So I was in the coffee industry for about tw- 10 years, 12 years. Um, and we kind of pioneered our way through what is now normal drive through coffee and, and espresso bars and stuff. So for the listeners, listeners out there, the, the Pacific Northwest is covered in little coffee huts. Yeah. I had no idea until I moved out there and they have all these little clever names like Java, the hut and, uh, (laughs) rock, you know, like a rocket brewing or just like weird creative names for all of the, and they're fucking everywhere. Yeah. So what, 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 what was your all's called? Uh, Java Java Coffee Company. Of course it was. <laughs> course, Java right? Java. Java yeah. Java. And uh, yeah, we um, and then uh, then my my boss, uh, my buddy Brett, he got into. He was like, well, we got to roast our own coffee. Cool. Mm-hmm. Let's go buy a roaster and go learn how to roast coffee. So I spent the the last part of my my career, I guess, with him uh, as a coffee roaster. And um, when that was a blast, man, that was so much fun. It's so true. it's so hipster and trendy today. Oh, we roast I know. our own. It it fucking is. I know it really it's, is. And, uh, and, it, but it's kind of neat to think like, John, uh, what we did, made we did that way before you did. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what made roasting coffee fun? Oh, uh, just because, I mean, you know, you're, 
other than drinking coffee all day long, um, <laughs> right, it's probably why it has no effect on me today. Yeah. I mean, I can drink a pot of coffee before I go to bed. And I'm yeah. Out. I'm and, not an um, alchemist, John. I'm actually, well, that's kind of what yeah. that's kind of what it is when you're roasting coffee. I mean, we would buy, <laughs> you know, green coffee and all these different varieties yeah. and come up with blends. And uh, and, you know, you get one that hits and then I mean, the margins mm-hmm. are good. It's a great business. It's a fantastic business. So damn interesting. That's crazy. So all these products on your website, I'm scanning through your shop right now. You have nine pages of <laughs> products, and you have about 16 products per page. That's a lot yep. of freaking inventory. So yeah. one page says everything's made to order. Is that true? Uh, on the custom end. So if it's out of canvas or leather, something that I make, Okay. Um, pre- at this point, I mean, yes, I have inventory, but yeah. if – for me to go through the website every day and go, okay, I've got five I have of these this in stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I just happen. kind of, yeah, blanket policy. You there order you something, expect it in five or six weeks minimum, and I have to explain that word minimum yeah. to people uh, far too often. And if it shows up sooner, fuck, great, you, right. you know, good deal. But just don't count on it. You know, yeah. <laughs> don't get your hopes up. So is everything made in house? Yes. Um. So my, um. I have a seamstress that works for me full time and yep. it's not at my shop. She has her own place. Okay. Um, so we go through everything that we need for the week or for the, you know, and, and do everything in batches. Um, and then I've got two other companies that, uh, that I work with on a large, again, wholesale style. Mm-hmm. So when self-reliance outfitters, I do all their canvas bags for all their uh, outdoor like cook pots and stuff. Okay. They'll order a couple hundred units at once. Well, we can't do gotcha. that in house. Right. So I have a, a company that's, that does what's called cut and sew. Basically, all they do is cut the pattern, sew it, send it to me, and then any finished work that needs to be done, hardware, cord stops, you know, anything like that, we handle that. So, so that's how you got hooked up with Mora also? Um, I don't even think for Mora. You have Mora on your website. Uh, I sell their stuff, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so I, I, I sell I, – I, I don't really do a lot of Mora because, like, Mora and I – What the hell I mean, is Mora, Roy? Just bring up Mora. Like, how the hell are listeners supposed to know what Mora is? What is Mora? Uh, <laughs> is it a Yeah. Not nice. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and Dave Canterbury, who runs uh, Self-Reliance Outfitters. Uh, he's a big Mora representative. He's, he's a big Mora rep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Come on, but fucking Mora, Chris. Draw, like, connect the fucking dots. No, I have no idea who you guys are talking about. And I'm sure there's <laughs> of course a, not. a ton of other people out there that have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, so you nerds. market all your stuff. I'm, I'm assuming this is bushcraft world you're talking about yes, right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you have some. You're marketing all your stuff towards bushcrafters. I'm assuming. Is that a bad word? Uh. Well, it's a, no. It's a buzzword, but no, it's not necessarily. Okay. Really. Um. Because there's a bunch of shit on here that I have no idea what the hell it does. Okay. No, like so, what? Like name instance, one. Bushcrafters dump pouch. Now. Okay. A dump pouch. No, you don't take a shit in it. I okay. mean, you could. Okay. I mean, God, you're such mind. a dummy, Chris. If you're a conservationist and you don't want to shit in the woods, you buy one yes. of John's dump pouches. <laughs> what is a dump pouch? So it's just a, uh, it's an all-purpose bag that, and, and ours rolls up and is compact on your on your side. It looks and when you need nice it, as hell. You deploy it, and it's an an anything bag. Yeah. I mean, I use it during dove season. I put. Shotgun shells in shells one, I put my doves stuff. in the other, you know, um, out, guys that like to go out and forage and gather up stuff and going out and gathering tinder and stuff for your fire. You got a place to put it without just, you know, trucking mm-hmm. it around under your arm or whatever. So um, it's kind of a do all. And that's that was one of the first 
at least first five products that I ever started making on a large scale. Okay. Well, it's a fairly simple design too, right? I mean, it lends <laughs> yeah. itself really easily. Oh yeah. And I mean, I didn't invent it. And in fact, right. who, who really had the first kind of style of a bag like that was, um, uh, Max Pedition. They sold a mm-hmm. bag. Yeah. Yeah. You, they make kind of like tactical gear. Okay. You know, I'm not familiar yeah. with them. No. Anyway, they made this little roll up bag type of thing and, and it went on your belt and, you know, over time it just kind of morphed into that. Uh-huh. Um, but I do have a couple features on there that other people who make that similar type of bag out of canvas and leather don't have. Um, but I mean, to this day, I think we've sold close to about 3000 of those over the last eight or nine years. So who originated some of the names of this stuff? Did they, is uh, this mean, stuff like passed down <laughs> from generation to generation? No, I mean, I don't know. I mean, bushcraft is kind of just a marketed term that has come around in the last decade, I guess. Yeah. We used to call it, we called it something interesting when I was a kid. We called it fucking camping. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> That's, it was camping, but yeah. now it's bushcraft, you know, skills. The no, more, you know, what do they say? Uh, it's a, more skills, less gear type of thing. Yeah. You know. Okay. But less gear? No. Yeah, in like, other words, it's it's about what you know versus you know. Yeah, uh, those bushcrafters cool are all gear guys. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and they probably take more fucking camera gear out in the woods than any goddamn thing else. I'm gonna oh, document man, me kidding. building a fire. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. I've been building fire since I was a fucking kid. Yeah. Right. Well, you build a fire, but it takes six hours because you got to get enough pictures of it. No, it's called a fucking Zippo and some Vaseline and cotton balls. Come the fuck on. So I'm what's, a, ha- what's a haversack? So a haversack's just a term for kind of a um, a, man, uh, a man purse, I guess. Okay, perfect. Because I was looking at this going, this is a man purse. <laughs> yeah. Why is it called a haversack? A satchel, if you will. Okay. Um, okay. It's like right. a messenger bag for a guy right. in the woods. Well, it, gotcha. it, back in the in the you know period specific, it would be called like a rifleman's bag. Okay. Because a rifleman would be carrying more, you know, his powder and stuff for his flintlock rifle, that kind of stuff. So you have more stuff that you have to carry than a modern, you know, hunter today. Even though modern hunters today now carry more shit than anybody, but. <laughs> yep. You gotta yeah, have that's why your- they all have four wheelers. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You need a quad to carry all They're your. They're not even four wheelers anymore. They're like mini trucks. Side by now. sides. Yeah, side oh, by yeah. sides, all decked out. That oh, actually fuck. cost more than trucks now. Oh my, they oh, are yeah. so yeah. fucking expensive. They're I expensive looked at one that was like twenty three thousand dollars. I thought, nope, yeah. that's more than my truck. Forget exactly. it. Exactly, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And some of those fuckers don't even have windows or anything. On them. Yeah. <laughs> it's just an open cab. They got stereo systems in them and yeah. everything. Oh, yeah. it's ridiculous. ridiculous. Blinged out wheels. Come on. So how so, is this business? How are we doing, John? Oh, fantastic! I mean, I mean, really? I, I is that many I, people buying dump bags and haversacks, huh? There are a That's lot. That's fucking of awesome. <laughs> that is put, fucking awesome. No, yeah, it's uh, it's it's wild. That's why I mean, I kind of fly under the radar on a lot yeah. of stuff that I do, and I don't have time to be. It's like okay, spend time online. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. why again with the, the Instagram, it's like a self promotion type thing, and I just. I don't know. I'm kind of going to be revamping the way I do my Instagram because I do everything right now. My website, my Instagram, yeah. all that. Mm-hmm. And i only have so many, there's only so many hours in the day. That's why I work. Yeah. Could you imagine, could you imagine putting your face in front of the Instagram camera every day, like go. four or five fucking times Here a we day? Go. It'd drive me yeah. nuts. It would drive me nuts. I know. And, and, and waxing up handles. Yeah. And, I have mm, like real fucking mm, work mm-hmm. to do. I can't mm-hmm. just sit in front of the fucking camera all day. It's ridiculous. Hey, I don't it's part, it's part of my fucking job, bitch. I don't understand how people do it. 
So you said you mentioned you fly under the radar. Does that mean you just don't you just don't promote yourself? You're just fucking working, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I in a way. Um, well, you've gotten to a level, especially with these wholesale accounts, that you don't need all of this bushcraft custom work like that. W- I would assume that if if everyone just hits uh, Badger Claw up with custom leather work, you just you'd fucking lose your mind. I know mean, I would. Yeah, and I and, and I do, and that's why I have to tell people, listen. I'll make exactly what you want, but it's going to take a couple months for me. To, if you want to wait, great. If not, I'm not hurt. It's not, I'm not yeah. going to cry myself to sleep at night. Right. You know, There's missing plenty out. There's other I mean, shit to do. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why I get afraid. Sometimes I'm like, man, I want to put, you know, some advertising out for this. And I thought, right. oh, man, if I do that, I'm going to start getting orders. And then I got to tell people they got to wait. <laughs> so and so, so it's a real balance. You're nice and peaceful. You're comfortable. You're comfortable with your workflow. That's a good, that's a good spot yeah. to be in. And I love, honestly. I honestly, every day I can't wait. I mean, I get up in the morning early, get a little work done, get the kids off to school. And, man, I cannot wait to get out to the shop and start working. And a lot of people can't say that. You know, they might yeah. be like, oh, fuck, I got to go to work today. Yeah, and the, so the whole uh, don't turn your passion into a job doesn't seem to apply yeah. to you. And like they t- well, yeah, and somebody told me I couldn't. I, I was told by, you know, several people in the industry, yeah. quote, unquote, that, oh, you're not going to be able to, to, you know, to make a living. Out right. Of this. Mm-hmm. And that's because they couldn't make a living yep. out of it. So, you know, that's their own problem they got to deal with. So, again, well, just kind of be patient and be humble and stuff happens. Well, yeah. the thing that sets you apart, and then we keep going back to it, are these wholesale accounts that, you know, the average leather worker just, I mean, it would it, it would take them a very long time to get set up and have the tools and equipment and knowledge that you have, that you've built over the, the years that you've been doing this, and then to go out and secure wholesale accounts, and then not only for the leather work, but now, like, you're a dealer for uh, for Mora, Holtz, Eagle Products of Norway. Like you've got shit. Like you have diversified very, very well. Yeah. And, oh, and it's still all under the umbrella of like outdoor gear, bushcraft, kind of cool shit that people are into today. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and especially like the Eagle account. Um, I mean, it's all about you just you know building relationships with people because I'm the North America or uh, the U.S. distributor for all of Eagle Products and. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a guy in Canada that does the same thing and um, all across Europe, they've got, you know, different distributors. And so I've been lucky, you know, to be able to work with those guys and, and um, when they can keep a, again, it's another one of those things that gets so popular and people get pissed off. Like, when are you going to have it in stock? When? Like, well, I mean, I don't make it, so I can't tell yeah. you. I mean, I can only yeah. order when they tell me, Hey, we got a hundred kettles in, you want them? Yeah, I want them yesterday. And mm-hmm. so, um, so this company you guys are talking about makes kettles. Uh, they make all Eagle products actually unbeknownst to probably a lot of folks that are familiar with the bushcraft kettle that I sell yeah. a lot of, they make a ton of shit. You go to Eagle products okay. Norway website and it's like, it's like an REI. Mm-hmm. I mean, they sell gotcha. everything. I've only cherry picked certain products that I think, and that I know that the U S market would like. Right. Um, and especially nowadays, a lot of the stuff, a lot of especially outdoor cookware. I mean, if you know what websites to go on to get it, it all it's all made in China. And mm-hmm. if you know where to go and find it, you know, it's out there. Yeah. So I just I pick certain products that I know are quality, that I know aren't mass produced and sold, you know, all over online and that I can stand behind. So right. I mean I'm not gonna just sell something just because, hey, I can make a buck off it. Well if it's a piece of shit, then I'm a mm-hmm. piece of shit for selling it. So Yeah. Did you hear that? I don't Roy? need any help being yeah. a piece of shit. <laughs> Fuck yourself. <laughs> Yeah. You hear that, Roy? <laughs> John, what's your number one seller that you handcraft make? Ah, what's I wanted your number to ask one that. thing. 
Mm, let's see. Uh, like, what are people always ordering no matter what? Butt stocks. You do a yeah. ton of butt stocks. My butt stock cover, yeah, the leather, my gun leather stuff, um, I always have at least 30 or 40 orders, like, really ready to, you know, that are, that are in, in the hopper. Um, There's that many people that need a leather butt stock for their gun. Oh, yeah. They don't need yeah. them. They look fucking awesome. I don't uh, even okay. give a shit about guns. And <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, work, I mean most people that, he... that are gun owners have multiple guns, so you yeah, got to yeah, have yeah. That's for, a good point. I mean, yeah. on the lever action end. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's probably – and, again, that's one of those products where I could probably develop it further and get into, like, some really cool and creative. There's some guys out there that make some way nicer stuff than I do as far as yeah. detail work and, and um, uh, like – Leather but for your volume, is, it's not necessary. I can't. Yeah, there's no reason to. And yeah, I would have to charge another, you know, another forty bucks, what hundred dollars? Why sell it for sixty nine dollars all day long? And people get a freaking quality product. And if something ever fails on it, I'll make you a brand new one or send it back. You know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I could probably spend another twenty minutes per unit, but I have to charge for that. So I try to find that happy medium. Exactly. That, you know. Yeah. That people like, and uh, it must be yeah, nice so. to be able to charge a thousand bucks an hour. So I mean, come on. Uh, yeah that's pretty and it's you know 20 what? minutes it'll be another thousand dollars <laughs> well it's not a hundred thousand dollar canoe but you know oh, yeah. hey good point yeah if yeah, you're I listening didn't... trent oh yeah no trent's a good guy uh yeah trent's he does. great yeah he's cool and uh but i do want his truck trent if you're listening oh, dude, I know. Come on. That oh, truck is oh he's Seriously. he sent me yeah over the last few years he sent me a lot of pictures of it and um what all the work he's done on the inside have you seen the pictures of the inside of that oh, truck yeah. oh yeah shit yeah it's yeah. a dream truck for sure oh for he's, sure he's yeah. got like little like uh, wooden cookie uh cutouts for the headliner and yeah. shit yeah yeah, oh, yeah. Un- unbelievable yeah. no cool so, stuff going back to your butt stocks the thing that sticks out and i always make the same fucking comment whenever you post butt stock pictures those things look so clean and so they look flawless and the, the, I don't know what, like what kind of, what kind of leather are you using for those? So on, on those, I use a, uh, a, a 10 to 12 ounce. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's a Latigo. It's a really thick, heavy, uh, heavy uh-huh. duty, um, yep. leather. And it's, I used to cut it all out of veg tan leather and dye it and this and that. And then, you know, I, again, couldn't keep up on the volume. So I'm like, well, let's find the best quality leather that comes already dyed, dyed all the way through. So not yep. just, you know. And so, um, so I did find the best and it was expensive. It was through one of the big, you know, the big guy, uh, you know, leather shops. So I'm like, well, let's find who sells to them. And I did. And so now I buy directly from the guy who buys from the tannery Uh because I buy in enough volume. I mean, um, are you buying pallets of hides? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Fuck sake. Damn. Yeah. I'll buy, um, you're that fucking guy. I bought, (laughs) uh, I had the last pallet of stuff that was delivered to the guy who does my patterns was um, about 850 square feet of leather that will all be cut into one. So to put that in perspective, Chris, every hide is about 22 to 26 square right. feet or so. Right. Yeah. Jesus. So that, that, that'll be one. And so then I so now I'm like, all right, well, I got the, the best leather. And I used to just try to stick with all U.S. leather, you know, right. uh, mm-hmm. Herman Oak or or. Um, um, Wicket and Craig, and I still do a lot of their stuff, but you get to a point when you want a certain consistency and quality. And, you know, I try to tell people, listen, it sucks to say it, but our tanneries aren't that great compared to some of the South, one, uh, South, you know, Mexico well, and Brazil and, okay. 
I mean, they've so been tanning hides a lot longer than forever. So right. I, yeah. I, I, I went down to um, to Thoroughbred. They're just down the road from me in Louisville. Yeah. And I said, is this American made? And they're like, well, they're American cows. Yep. They're, they're raised here. They uh, And then they get the hides yep. get shipped to Mexico because those guys – train their entire life and they work in fucking tanneries and yeah. they do it better than anyone. So they process it and then they send it back to us and we do some stuff. And he goes, so you tell me, is it American made or not? And I was like, I'll, I'll take a couple of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 They have good. Yeah. That's the thing is that, um, in the, there's one region in Mexico, uh, like that's all they fucking do. Yeah. That's what, you know, like there's a region that makes all the tequila. Yeah. yeah. There's a place where, and it's funny because, um, Jalisco. I had a, What's that? It's called it's Jalisco. I used, that, to do, okay. I used yeah, I used to work down there. No, oh, okay. So have, yeah, there's a factory down there that I used to work at. So all Chris has these, a very confused look on his face. Because yeah. of, are you talking about the tequila factory? I didn't work in a tequila factory, oh. but I worked in the state of Jalisco. Oh, okay. uh, 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 in the town of Guadalajara. Gotcha. And, like most of the tequila comes out of that region. Oh, yeah. right on. Yeah, cool. yeah. So there's a region that does leather. Yeah. And my leather broker, uh, you know, he goes travels down there. He's been to all the, the places he buys. He's know, got a fucking broker. Come oh, on. Yeah. No, oh, this guy has <laughs> at any one time has over two million feet of leather in his warehouses. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. Oh, my. So these guys are big, and I'm I'm like peanuts yeah. to these guys. And what's cool is they so don't. So I'm care. assuming they're selling to like couch furniture makers and shit like oh, that. Oh yeah. There's yeah, no yeah, way they're time. selling them to like guys that are making leather sheets no, and shit. That's why I'm I'm like an anomaly for them. Yeah. They're like, oh, you need uh, 800 feet. Okay, you know, we'll do that tomorrow. Oh, yeah, and we'll get to it at, thing. The, uh, at the end of the run. We'll throw it on for you. Yeah. But, but these these places in Mexico, they've got like six, seven generations yeah. of leather workers that are down there. And a lot wow. of your, um, like, cowboy boot makers, um, a lot yeah. of, there's some outdoor gear. They all have factories in that region because that's where all the leather's at. Yeah. So, and then the same thing, like the Kodiak leather, you've probably seen a lot of that, like those possibles bags, that dark, rich looking mm-hmm. soft leather that I make. So, um, that's tanned in a tannery in Brazil. And okay. yeah. And I asked my guy about it, my broker about it. I was like, I said, is it tanned there because it's such a filthy process? Cause it's done, uh, drum and oil dyed and, you know, all the way through. And he laughed. He's like, their factories are so much cleaner than ours. It's no wow, night and day. Wow. And I go, wait, you mean like seriously? You know? And and so he's like, man, I travel down there. I've been through. All-. He says, yeah, they have higher standards. It's probably cleaner. a sense of pride. It's pride is what it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. And versus, you know, and so um, I bet so, yeah, it I mean, stinks really bad. Oh, but yeah. it smells oh like God, a paper yeah. mill. Have you ever yeah. smelled a paper well, mill? Yeah. Oh, fucking awful the wicket and uh wicket and craig their tannery uh shuts down for the entire month of july i think it is every year and for one solid month they clean they clean the whole place yeah jeez so if you don't have an order in with wicket and craig before like the first of january you're not getting until i learned that lesson hard so no um, kidding yeah so i mean i still use a lot of their stuff and i try to source as much stuff as i can yeah here in the u.s but sometimes it's just not possible i mean it's just Mm -hmm. the way it is so, I've never thought that the best tanning shit was in Mexico or oh South yeah. America. That's crazy. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Yep. A lot Absolutely. Of even, so, in, even in the UK, they've uh, there's some, uh, some buddies of mine that are knife makers over there. Yeah. They get some leather over there that we can't that I can't get here. Uh, really? You got buddies in the UK? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a world outside of Kentucky, Roy. It's yeah, fuck you. It's weird, yeah, fuck, man. fuck those guys. <laughs> fuck them all. <laughs> so whenever, when are, are you comfortable 
putting a uh, Made in America stamp on your leather goods or not? Um, on most of my leather goods, uh, I don't. All of my canvas goods, I do because mm-hmm. all my, my wax canvas is made here. It's it's waxed here, dyed here, all that stuff is. Um, but on the leather goods, because some of the hides and materials might not be from here, yeah, no, I don't feel comfortable. And I don't I don't have it on any on that stuff anyway. Just okay. on my canvas goods. Hmm. Interesting. Um, because I can control, you know, where that comes from. Yeah. I was on the, there's a governmental website that like, if you want to claim that your stuff is made in America, it has to have a certain percentage. Percentage, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And certain states I think are different too. Um, uh, like I think it, is it California? Probably, of course. Um, like 95% American. Yeah. Uh, there was a big deal a while back with Leatherman, you know, Leatherman tools. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I think something, I don't know, I could have the story wrong, but something that they couldn't get one of the screws that's used in the Holy assembly of a Leatherman fuck. tool uh, that uh, they had to get it from South America. And California was like, oh, you can't put made in USA on any Leatherman stuff sold in California. Jesus. It's like, on. really? And then like right crazy. now, yeah. And so it's stupid. And like right now with that, the deal that I'm doing those uh, stuff for Lampson, they need some form for the state of California, some R65 form. That states mm-hmm. that there is no uh, the level of chromium in the leather that I use is under a certain level because in California, uh, currently nowhere else, but only in California, it can cause cancer. Well, the leather is a vegetable tan leather. It's not a chromium tan leather, so there would be no chromium in it at all. But right. they still want a piece of paper so that all of the retailers, like they sell to Williams and Sonoma, some of those big stores that want to carry this product, can't sell it because they don't have this little stamp of approval that says there's no chemical with certain chemical in the leather. Really? So, so fuck California. Exactly. <laughs> without, without, getting, yeah. without getting too deep and using too big of words, because Chris has a really hard time uh, following this conversation, yeah. like technical conversations. Can you explain high level, the difference between veg tan and chrome tan? Uh, just chemicals that are used in the leather after they, I guess when they skin it down to, you know, it's bare form. If it's top grain or full grain, there's different, you know, depending on the type of leather. And then it's it dipped in chemicals to to uh, to tan it and get the stuff, you know, to get the the color or the the feel. That's like you were saying thoroughbred. Mm-hmm. Um, I their stuff kind of like horween, isn't it? That real soft. That's all chrome tanned well, usually. They, they offer they, do they a lot offer of just stuff. everything like raw oh, okay. chrome tan, latigo, uh, veg tan, everything. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. I shouldn't say everything, but, you know. And the vegetable tanning process is, um, I mean, I'm sure they're still using chemicals in it, but um, Mm -hmm. there's just whatever's in that chromium tan, chromexcel, there's different names for it. Everybody's got a different name for it. Um, Process, I I I guess they don't like. I didn't really know anything about chrome tan, but it looks really pretty and it's very soft and supple. And, and my guy down mm-hmm. in uh, at Thoroughbred says, "Oh, you can't use that on metal because it'll rust it." Um, yeah, the, you could get some of the chemicals in this process. They say the same thing about Latigo, but um, I've got a thousand sheets that say otherwise. So, <laughs> um, right, you know. So, I, so talk no, to me about not, Latigo. So. Um, so it's when it's dyed all the way through like that, you know, there's uh-huh. different oils and, and, and waxes and tannins or whatever it is that's uh-huh. in there. And uh, some steels, like maybe maybe it's some high carbon steels or whatever. Again, I'm not a steel guy. So yeah. and will react differently and can maybe patina a blade or something like right. that. But usually there's something else involved, like 
it got soaking wet. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. anything gets soaking wet and it's going to, you know, it's going to change. Right. But, so, um, but Latigo is super durable. That's why it's used in like horse tack and, uh-huh. you know, and it ages, you know, really nice. Um, and so, and the flesh side is really clean. Like you'll notice on my buttstock covers, if you ever see the underside, um, sometimes I'll take pictures. The underside is so clean and nice on that stuff. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just high quality, you know, leather mm-hmm. makes great belts. Yeah. Um, and so, and that's probably one of my other larger selling products in my belts. Um, belts and dog because, collars. Yeah. I don't do yeah. a lot. I mean, I do a lot of dog collars, but not as many as I kind of thought that I would. Right. Um, well, it's essentially a, just a smaller belt, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, in a way, yeah. um, I, I, my dog collars are built as a safety collar oh, and okay. it's got a ring in the back and it's kind of, mm-hmm. it just comes from my, you know, uh, upland bird hunting and stuff like that right. that's kind of what we use but uh belts uh i had a lot when i first started making really nice belts i had a lot of other belt makers kind of pissed off at me and because i wasn't charging what they were right and i'm like well why i mean i'll mm-hmm. charge what i feel my work is worth and i and i guarantee it for life so because really what's going to go wrong with a belt i mean mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> you get, you get fat and it doesn't fit and it that's doesn't right. yeah it's not my fault yeah <laughs> <laughs> not my fault. Sue McDonald's don't, you know, yep. a new belt. So, so whenever, I, whenever, whenever you get um, belts and straps and stuff for your bed rolls and your collars, do you just have uh, the manufacturer just strip it all for you and you, and you just receive bundles of strips or are uh, you stripping some, it? Sometimes I like right now um, we, I ordered some leather over to my pattern guy and I ordered, we ended up this miscommunication. I got the wrong leather. So I've got a couple hundred feet sitting over there. I was like, you know what? Just strip it all down, make straps for me. But no, normally I cut all my belts um, mm-hmm. and straps because uh, um, with a manual a, strap cutter. Uh, yeah. Wow. And so um, I, because there's a lot of waste can can got kind of go uh-huh. along with belts. I mean, sometimes you'll strip one piece down. I'm like, well, now I got this little three foot piece. If I would, so I like to kind of manage the hides myself and try to minimize waste. So I cut yeah. all my belts myself, and it's fun. John, John, there's nothing are, fun about you are a fucking, it. Yeah, it is. You are a wealth of knowledge with leather. This is fucking insane. I didn't know it even went that deep. What is the future of Badger Claw? What's That's that looking question. like? Like, where um, do we want to go? Total are domination. Are we, are I don't we know. I don't know if I want to stay right tell where you. we're at. I don't know if I want the competition to know. <laughs> oh, fuck <laughs> Dude, you are on such a different level, and like this conversation is definitely fucking highlighting that. Like, I knew yeah. that your your work was fucking top notch, and I knew like all your wholesale stuff and then dealership. But through this conversation, like it is like levels deeper than I fucking thought. So congratulations well, on that, man. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I like really. I mean, I, obviously, I love building stuff. It, for me, at the end of the day, I have something to show for what I did. Yeah. And and um and I built it too. I wrote pretty comfortable lifestyle for my family and also i don't go. like people telling me i can't do something so yeah as soon as we go down that road it's like no it's on and so <laughs> hell yeah so i like that part of it but that's why i say about you know being patient with stuff because i have a lot of ideas i mean i'm kind of just yeah. getting started really but awesome. i just have to be patient and kind of work you know work through it so um the on the outfitting end of it you know um uh, I've got a lot of stuff that I want to do as far yeah, as... Yeah, you don't have to be specific. I'm just saying you, you want yeah, this thing no, to grow, like I used though. To you want to get bigger. Um, yeah, so, like, I used to do uh, these rendezvous events out in... Oh, God, uh, here we go. Nerd alert. No, 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 no. This is this is good <laughs> stuff. 
so basically, like, uh, we get a bunch of people out that want to camp out. Right. And so, like, especially here in Texas, where it's all pretty much private land, we don't have um, state forest land or anything like that. Yeah. For people that, I mean, we have parks, but you're limited yeah. on what you can do. You know, like BLM land or anything? No, 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 no. <clears throat> no, not down here. Excuse me. So I have in-laws that have hundreds, actually thousands of acres of, of pecan orchards and and they, you know, kind of let me, I'm like a steward for the land out there. And so I have access to all this land and hunting and this and that. So I used to host these events. Right. Okay. And I mean, I almost did it on a yearly basis. I mean, the last year that I did it, we had probably close to a hundred people show up, yeah. people teaching classes. Um, uh, Dave Canterbury was there. He taught an awesome class the last time I've had him out a couple of times. Um, I've got buddies that have been on Forge and Fire here that, from town. They came out and did blacksmithing. Yeah courses stuff like that james helms a friend of mine and tobin and those guys and we all worked in the same shop in san antonio where in texas are you at um so i live in a little town outside of san antonio about 40 minutes or so Uh uh-huh so um and so those guys came out put on i mean so it was great it was real educational so i want to bring that back in but on a kind of a more remote scale so that's Mm -hmm. kind of why we, we bought some property this last year in colorado um and i'm oh, working on that oh congratulations that's fucking awesome. awesome yeah so i've got 35 acres up in the mountains of colorado so Damn. i'm using that as kind of a staging area for some projects that are going to be coming up hopefully okay and um and it's a business write off so uh, there you go <laughs> <laughs> there you go again the business side and right. so um and like you were saying earlier kind of i hate to use the term circle back uh but anyway <laughs> to circle back yeah. So you were saying about people asking questions about business, you know, or about, mm-hmm. you know, the leatherworking and that's not really teaching. That's not really my, my strong point. And I'm more gifted in just on the business side of things. Mm-hmm. And I've helped a lot of people kind of jumpstart their business consulting and which is part of what I did in a, in a previous life uh, before I got into the, the outfitting stuff. So I really want to kind of capitalize on that and I want to help other people get to where I'm at right now. Yeah. Wow. And so well, look at you. So that's kind of my, my goal. And if it doesn't work, well, fuck it. At least I tried. So there you go. <laughs> you got you got 35 acres in Colorado yeah. to retire on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yourself, and, a, and by then I'll be able to afford one of your axes. So that'll be yeah. nice. Get in line. Schlepp. <laughs> just, yeah. John, just save your fucking money, dude. What? Just save your money. <laughs> save the. Yeah, save your fucking money. Put it towards something useful like a fucking dump bag or something. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe I could make biodegradable dump bags. Yeah, biodegradable oh. dump bags. Maybe that's yeah. what I'll make. Texas no, you're is right. awesome. You couldn't you couldn't find any land worth buying down there, huh? Or you just oh, love yeah. Colorado? No, I, uh, no, I want. I had to get back to mountain property. And Colorado that's right. is way prettier than fucking Texas yeah. all day. Yeah, yeah, and I can get there in a day. We're only eleven. It's eleven hour drive if I drive it straight through. Yeah. Um. So it's not like I can get on a plane and go. That's to That's just to get know. to the border of Colorado too. Almost. Almost. Yeah, yeah. It is. No, yeah. you're exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it takes. Uh. Yeah. From I go. We go to Amarillo for a pit stop, and then. Yep. From there, it's four hours to the property. So. Um. Good but yeah, for I, you, I man. wouldn't That's mind awesome. having some more some more property here in, in Texas, just like ranch land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, recreation land. Get people to come out and have fun and. Uh, uh kind of give back a little bit you know where i can so so final question do you think that these rendezvous get togethers like how similar are they compared to like dave canterbury's um pathfinder gathering uh things that he hosts okay so yeah pretty similar um now dave's stuff is a lot more educated i mean it's class after class after you know and he i mean his guys everybody i'll tell you this everybody that works that i've met that works with dave and teaches stuff 
freaking top-notch guys, like mm-hmm. hands down. Um, and so they really know that end of it. And I'm more of like a promoter type. Like I can put all the people together, yeah. get everybody in the same area, and then just right. let them do their thing. Okay. And so, I mean, that's why we had Dave out. And when he came out the first time, he came out as just kind of to attend. Um, right. And then he saw kind of the property that we have available, and he's like, let's do some classes out here. So he came that's back cool. and, and Very did a cool. class. Uh, well, he did one at my event, and then he did another class on his own, just, just his guys. And so, um, because, yeah, Pathfinder events are, are great. All different skill levels of people go there. Sure, or yeah. you can just go there as a vendor and mm-hmm. fucking hang out and, and, and meet people and, and do that kind of stuff. And, and sell so, some wares. Um, yeah, yeah. And another big one, uh, Georgia Bushcraft. Those guys, yep. if you've seen them. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. man, they've gotten huge out there, they have. and yes, they have. I feel bad. I still have yet to go to one of their events, but um, Don't I mean, they, they they knew how to market it right and and went you know did it big. So kudos hey, to those guys. Last last question. It's not even a question. It's a, a it's a thank you for uh, hooking up with Whiskey River, Brandon at Whiskey River, and uh, yeah. getting involved in the guild stuff. So maybe you'll see some of my work come across your uh, your workbench and we can work together on some of oh, that stuff. I, I can't wait. Look how excited I am. <laughs> you motherfucker! <laughs> God! End of I'm fucking just show. kidding. No. So where's your, like, ten questions? I th- you guys should do, like... Uh, ten I'm questions? Think, you know, I was thinking about... Well, remember that show? I don't know. You guys are not that... You're not that much younger than me. Um Remember that show Inside the Actors Studio? You ever seen that? Oh, yeah. Yep. Remember that guy yep. would I forget his name. Yep. He'd sit up on stage and interviewed, like, all the top celebrities, everybody. And at yeah. the end, he, he was very serious, though. The whole yeah. interview, he would just sit back and just let the person talk. Yeah. Talk, but yeah. What, and then at the, end, at the end, yeah. he had, like, seven or eight questions that he mm-hmm. asked every person. Yeah. So, no. like, you know, everything from what's your favorite, you know. What's right. your, the best one was what's your favorite swear word. You know, mm. and and then you you know you get you know some actress that you never heard of. She's like, oh motherfucker, it's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? And yeah. Uh, but they would have like all these. I always that was like my favorite part of that show. And I don't see. I mean, I listen to a few podcasts, not many. Yeah. Um. And all right, uh, let, let's start a segment right now. Uh, top see, five bands that you're listening to right now. Top five Ooh. bands top or, five? or artists. Jesus. Or, yeah. Top five music. Yeah. Like what's Wait, playing? They have to be. Fine. I don't listen God, to anything current. You're making this current. way too complicated. It doesn't matter. No. Like, top five. If you turn on music right now, who are the top five uh, singers, bands, artists that will come through your fucking speakers? Oh, go. Well, they're not going to be anything current. Well, maybe doesn't matter. Uh, let's see. I don't listen to anything fucking current. Yeah, no, that's know. true. You do listen to us. I mean, yeah. fucking. We listen to some the, fucking terrible shit. Yes, you do. Yeah, I mean, I listen to everything from like Celtic music, like yep. oh god, don't yeah. let me down, come to, on, uh, Dokken, to Dawkin. Oh my uh, god. Okay. Uh, my five. wife had Danzig on the other night, sitting out on the patio. That's good. Ryan Bingham's probably one of my favorite artists right now. I don't know if you know who Ryan Bingham is. Yeah, he's great. I like a lot of older country stuff, like old country stuff. But John Zeppelin. Okay. So we got, we always got, we got Zeppelin. Zeppelin. Let's just go to top five shop music. Zeppelin yeah. is on in the show. Top five shop music. Zeppelin. Five's a little much. Bingham. He's always good to have on. Um, shit, without going through my playlist, I have so much weird music that I listen uh, to. My man. Met- Sounds Metallica. like we, we get it wrong just fine. Metallica. All right, three. Yeah. Two more. Two more. Two more. Go. Two more. Um, Three is good enough. Silence. John? Yeah, I mean, Man. I mean, I can't. It's tough to pick a favorite. I mean, I mean, I got everything from Bon Jovi to. I mean, I grew up in the '80s, so you can yeah, kind of do yeah. the math. 
I got you. All right. Fair enough. John Maynard from Badger Claw Outfitters. Out. I'm sorry. I almost said leather. Badger yeah, Claw that's Outfitters. Right. That, same thing. Yeah. He sells dump bags. He'll sell you a kettle pot. <laughs> He'll sell you a haversack. Whatever the hell that is. It is Badger Underclaw Underclaw. Oh, my God. Underclaw. Badger Underscore Claw Underscore Outfitters. He's part of the Underscore Club. Oh, Guys, no. go to Instagram. Go follow John's work. His fucking work, his pictures, everything he does is extraordinary. His website is loaded, loaded with products that are handmade. And uh, a lot of leather comes from South America. But who gives a fuck? He's making it in his shop. It's top Bad quality shit. stuff, man. Thanks yeah. for coming on. Very, I appreciate very, it, guys. I really yeah. do. First uh, first podcast, thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Two virgins Fucking, in a row. Huh? Yeah, there we go. Well, we only pick the best people that have never been on a podcast ever. So, from myself, Chris Cash and Mount <laughs> Phil, Metal Works, and Roy Scott from Vintage Axe Works, this is a wrap on the Axe and Iron Podcast.